Hi, I'm Sam. I'm Callum. And one of us is bored. This week, we've watched Back to the Future Part 2. So here we go again, Back to the Future Part 2, part of our Back to the Podcast month, I guess. I, that's what it is now. Uh, we're just... Yeah, I think because we made such a grand, like, hint of it, people think it's a spin-off, and I'm like, no. <laughs> we're just putting <laughs> effort in for once. <laughs> No, yeah, exactly. We're just like stealing, <laughs> stealing the graphics, making them we similar. Didn't steal it like that. It's copied. It's not stolen. It's inspired. We were inspired. Inspired. Yes, that's all it was. And uh, we're here, obviously, to talk about Back to the Future Part Two. If you listened to our last episode, you'll have heard us wiggle our way through Part One, which was our first, our first time recording an episode for a little while. So hopefully. Hopefully you enjoyed it, and hopefully you weren't put off by our performance there. <laughs> I, f- I don't know. I felt I felt it was a little bit difficult to get back into for me personally, but we'll get there. I was a star throughout, so it's fine. I carried it. You always are, and as you always part. do. God's sake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you might be carrying this one as well, to be honest. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So back to the future, part two. Um, Unsurprisingly, the sequel to Back to the Future, um, the film sees many of the cast from the last film return uh, with a couple of replacements um, and uh, an expansion of the the story. Where is a good place to start? Well, should we say that um, this is this is like the ones where you've kind of you're going in. Well, you're not going in blind because you did watch it, but you watched this one a lot later than. When you watch the first one, I'm I'm way more unfamiliar with this one than the first one. The first one to me is the type of film that you would see played on Channel Five on a regular basis when you were a kid. Um, for some reason, Part Two and Part Three did not get that same kind of treatment. It's just the first one that does. That's weird. I, I always find that what happens is you'd have the first one on maybe twice in a row, and then you play number two, then you play number three, but they do it the week after. Hmm. Or sometimes they do play like three in a row and it's like a day of Back to the Future. You'd think so. I do kind of feel like the first one is kind of self-contained if you want it to be. Like if you did, if you didn't really care about anything else after that, like it's kind of fun just to kind of picture for yourself what would happen next. Yeah. But as soon as you've got the second one, it's like, right, okay, well, you know, we're in this and I mean, it wasn't written to be a trilogy. It was like, it, it was like just meant to be Back to the Future and then 
So I, I think for me, at least, that's probably why I was mostly just familiar with the first one. And, and maybe that's why certain broadcasters just choose to stick with just the first one is because it is kind of self-contained if you want it to be in that way. But um, the first time I actually saw the second one was in the cinema, uh, as you pointed out last week in 2015, uh, the, the date at which um, they travel forward to the future too. So forward to the future, back to the future. Holy shit, it's literally the title of the film. And I'm like, <laughs> traveling forward to the future. Yeah, good stuff. I mean, we've not been to the future before, so why would we be back to the future? Like, Yeah. To be fair, I think you were right. I think forward to the future is probably Fjord right. to the future. Fjord? Yeah. <laughs> Fjord. <laughs> Swedish version. So like, <laughs> Fjord to the future. There's the tagline. <laughs> um anyway um so yeah that was kind of my that was my first experience seeing this which is kind of special when you think about it because there's not many i suppose classic films like this people get to say they saw them for the first time in the cinema if they weren't alive to see them in the first place yeah um and that actually ties in with a question that i was thinking about during the week that i wanted to ask you you'd said last week that you first came into contact with back to the future was it at your friend's house or at your aunt's house or or something? It was um, my neighbor lent me the DVD. That's correct. Yeah. W- at what point did you see the sequels? Did did you see them kind of pretty much straight after, or were you mostly invested in just the first one for a while as well? Or no, no, I watched all three in a in a row, like because um, it was the DVD box set where you had one, two, and three mm. that she lent me. Same thing happened with Star Wars, actually. I watched all three, and then I went back and watched. You know, I think number one is definitely, like, spoiler, is my favorite. Like, it's one mm-hmm. I will watch more often because it is self-contained. Mm-hmm. And two and three are a package deal. Like, two and three were filmed at the same time. Mm-hmm. So they very much do lead on and hint, and it's like, you know, it is like a, a film split into two in a yeah. way. So it's, it's like you have to kind of commit to watching both if you want a full story, whereas number one, you can just watch it on its own and it's fine. It's like, I know there's a, like a tease at the end, but like that tease was just meant to be a tease. Like they never intended on really expanding on it. So yeah, yeah, I just got the, the DVD and watched it all three and a winner. Oh, cool. I do like the little um, preview clips at the end of part two where they're like, oh, coming summer 1990. See, I don't. I agree because I feel like they spoil quite a lot of it. See, I don't know because I've I've not watched it since 2015 at this at the time of recording. So I'll uh-huh. I'll I'll maybe change my mind next week or or whenever. I just I was like, aha, they're showing you that like they show you a bit where he's kissing Jennifer, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, clearly then it all ends up fine. He ends up. Well, you say that. Like I saw that and I thought, oh, who's this? I didn't realize that was Jennifer. I was like, maybe he's got some like past action going on here with some stranger. I don't know. Yeah, like, uh, Maureen McFly is a one guy, a uh, one girl guy. I I have some issues with this one, and I am quite looking forward to to going through this with you. I wonder if it's worth because we because we tend to tend to do a little blurb at the start and then go through the plot anyway. I wonder if it's worth just having a little discussion about that now. Should we just jump into it and kind of? Yeah, why not? So. I don't really like that this film kind of reuses a lot of the jokes from the first one. Um, like whether it's, oh look, Biff's, Biff's actually a big guy and I'm gonna like, you're gonna get a close up of Marty's like eyes over Biff's shoulder. Like it's just it's just kind of like a, as he's um, like towering over him. It's just kind of like reused jokes. It's just like, ah, I remember that from the first one. Okay. It's annoying because back in the day when I was obsessed, mm-hmm. I did watch the, 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 you know, the director's commentary and the actor's mm-hmm. commentary, all that. 
And they did mention it and there was a reason. They're like, it was something like things happen in threes or something and you have the same recurring things. And it's like, they, they did do it for a reason. I just, I can't remember what they said, which is hmm. kind of a bummer. I, I don't know. Some of it's kind of jarring. Elephant in the Room, the replacement of Jennifer and the exclusion of Crispin Glover. Mm-hmm. I find the new Jennifer to be... She's not my favourite. I like the old Jennifer, basically. It's one I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. I feel like this one overacts a bit, whereas the other one was quite cool. As far as you can be for like an 80s classic movie girlfriend. Like She was very bland, but like she was a better served purpose than this Jennifer that's really rambly and kind of... Yeah. I, th- I think I would probably agree. Like She's perfectly fine, but it just it doesn't feel right i did like the fact that they kind of re-recorded or um shot for shot re-recorded the end of the first one yeah i thought that's kind of interesting i hadn't actually realized that's what they'd done until i read about it afterwards i must say but i thought that was really really interesting in retrospect i would say it's um at this point it's four years between the filming of part one and part two and mm-hmm. you can see that Michael J. Fox, he, he doesn't look old, but his face does look different. Um, like, it's just, it's, there's some, it's, I don't know if it's, I don't know that it's aging specifically, but it just looks, there's something slightly different there. And again, I think, I think when you have a film that's meant to be picking up right from where the last one left you, it's slightly jarring again. And I suppose it, there's not a lot you can do about that, especially when you've had to replace one or two members of the cast anyway it's like it is what it is um but there were little things like that that i i picked up on it's weird. see when he plays his own daughter like i didn't know i never clocked on that that was him until fairly recently when when was this sorry he, he played marlene really did you not know no i didn't pick up on that holy shit that's funny i'm gonna have to look that up because i didn't know that it is, yeah. I honestly, I never picked up that that was what was See? happening there. I thought there was parts where she was walking a bit strange, like a bit awkwardly leg movement, but pretty convincing. So you want the funny thing is, I um when because I remember that scene. That one of the pictures that's come up is her like looking kind of shocked halfway down the stairs yeah. when she's in the blue, and I remember looking at that and thinking it was a bit odd. But I honestly thought it was it was just because of the wig. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't think. Oh, that's um, Michael that's J. Fox. Michael, Michael J. Fox in a wig. I thought. Oh, that wig doesn't look very convincing. <laughs> that no. was the, that was the not convincing part for me. Was just the wig. But like, <laughs> I was like, oh, that wig, girl. That's not real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Oh well. He played Marlene. Obviously, he played Marty McFly Jr. I, the one thing I kind of I do and don't like about Part Two is mm-hmm. kind of Marty McFly's character development. Right, he's gone backwards the chicken thing I understand where that came from but I feel like it's not explained well in the film it's just like suddenly a random flaw he has that wasn't there before um, that wasn't something from the first one was it or was it no but how it is um, in the books and stuff is because he remembers the past where George McFly like they all had a terrible life because George McFly was a chicken mm. and he's scared of being like that and that's why he reacts like that. But I feel like that's not explained very well. No, it's not. And I kind of feel like uh, chicken is is like the quin- quintessential 80s insult in, in this kind of film or TV program. Because I remember like 
Power Rangers used it a lot as well, and like all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Nothing worse than being a chicken. It's like, well, I don't know, being a cunt's pretty, <laughs> pretty bad, I suppose. Yeah. So, like, of all the things you could get worked up about being called, yeah, I think it's, I think it's kind of forgivable, just knowing the context of his dad making them all have a kind of shite, like you know, his yeah. dad being a loser made them mm. all. But it's just kind of like sad to see a character that was so like cool in the first one kind of be a loser as an adult, adult, you know. That, but also as well, like I mean, I suppose on the one hand you could add it adds a little bit of humanity, maybe because maybe he's too goody goody in the first one, but like instantly in the second one, you've got him kind of thinking about, oh, I could make lots of money with this book, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sneak it back with me, and it's just sort of like it's a little bit less wholesome. I suppose. I don't know. I think that's like that's the first thing you'd think of doing, though, isn't it? Like, how can I make money off this? I mean, I suppose it. it like, I mean, you're right. He's probably not doing anything that like the rest of us wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. But I think it's because he's the hero and because he is the goody goody and because he is this and that. It's a little bit. It didn't. It it didn't sit entirely right with me. It does seem like a bit like a plot, uh, sorry, like a character change. But then I guess the thing we don't keep in mind as well is that he is like 17. Yeah. There is definitely a character change between the first and second. And I guess it's necessary because, I mean, where would you find the story if it wasn't, you know, because the whole thing of a story is a character has to develop, isn't it? So Mm. the first one was like an adventure, so you didn't really need him to. I mean, he did. He kind of, you know, he learned he has to. Yeah. Through thinking his daddy has to do this and go for his music and all that. So he did develop, but the problem is he developed and it was done. So they had to kind of add on problems yeah. in hindsight. Well, not in hindsight. Afterwards, they had to say, okay, actually, no, he has this flaw too. And it's like, oh, okay, but you're kind of messing with the fact that it was like he was kind of finished after the first one. Yeah, it messes with, it kind of messes with the audience's expectations or understanding of what the character is as well, especially because with a sequel, um, you go into a sequel kind of expecting that you you know about whatever character a little bit already. Like, mm-hmm. you know, pre- pretty much uh, you don't really expect a character that you've, you've seen develop to go in and get completely rewritten. And that's not exactly what happens here, but you don't need that exposition in a way because a lot of the time you already have that. And so when something else is added like that, it is a bit of a shock, I suppose. Yeah, it's like, oh, you don't like being called chicken, like... I understand why you could argue that's maybe the case, but it just wasn't a thing in the first one. Like, he didn't give a shit. He just did what he had to do, you know? And yeah. he had flaws in the first one. Like, he was too scared to send his music off. And, yeah. you know, it was like some of his ideas were a bit questionable. And, you know, he had some uh, dubious yeah. choices. But it's just in this, like, the second and the third, he just added these random flaws that he didn't have before. And I'm like, well, maybe it's because the time travel thing. But, like, I don't know. It does mess with your perception of the character in a way yeah no i think i think that's fair comment just just to go back as well to elements that kind of repeat from the first one i think as well the um the bit where he grabs the hoverboard and is is um kind of running around the town square to get away from is it biff jr or griff even Mm -hmm. um Again, that's just a rehashing of what we'd seen in the previous film, and it is just a, oh look, they're doing they're doing what they did last time, but this time he's got a hoverboard. It's in the future. Ooh. I think yeah, but that that's the thing. Other thing they mentioned that's the same thing as the things coming in threes. Like they 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 at least have a reason in the argument. Like they're aware and they did it on purpose. It's not like they accidentally did that. I feel like I would need to 
properly investigating here what that argument is because I'm not sure that I like if it's just to do with things happening in freeze it it feels a bit lazy to me like I'm 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 aware of the the train of thought that all things happen in freeze generally that's something that people apply to life and and all sorts of things in reality not just in films but it's not just three I just I can't honestly I can't remember yeah it's just they're just seeing how future repeats itself you know and how even though we progress we're still kind of the same just going through the same kind of cycles and all that. It was like, they made this big thing about it. I mean, when we watch the third one, you're going to have the exact, you're going to have the exact same problem. Oh, good. <laughs> because it's, there's always a scene where he has a chase with the Biff character. There's always a scene where he gets knocked out and he wakes up and his, the, the Leah, you know, the woman that plays his mum or, you yeah. know, random relative is there. Um, what was the other one you said? Um, it, the, the joke about, oh, look, Biff's really big. Or he's bigger, uh, bigger than I, I thought he was. No, I think they do change that one a bit because they're in the Wild West, so you know, gun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they do at least in this one. I, I like how they play with time travel. I think it's uh, having an alternative universe is interesting. Oh, other actor we forgot to. Well, I, I didn't briefly mention about like you know we replaced Jennifer Crispin Glover refused to go into the film again. Hmm. Uh, originally it was because of money was what he was arguing i think that's probably the truth but now he's saying it's because he didn't believe in the he had a philosophical disagreement with the film's message which is kind of like ironic i suppose given that supposedly he didn't want to do it for money he's a weird guy like he is a weird guy uh crispin but um i think he managed to successfully sue them I read something like because of his lawsuit against them, there's now a clause in most actors' contracts that will um, stop studios from distributing their likeness or something like that. So Yeah, I mean, it was really... Sh- like, for all that I adore the film, the series, you know, it was kind of shady to have a lookalike hanging upside down. Yeah. The funny thing is, uh, I had read, or we maybe we'd talked about it, I can't remember, but I did know in advance that he wasn't in this one anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and despite that, watching it, I, I still forgot that's not the guy from the first one, because it mm-hmm. is convincing enough, and they use enough, whether it's disguises or tricks or whatever going on, they use enough kind of deception that you do forget, and you're, it's not like obvious. They make him really dweeby, though. Yeah. It's like he's gone back to the first film, George. Well, you know, the first half of the first film book, George. Yeah, like not the not the future that they've kind of like Yeah, it's like, you know, oh I'm golfing and I'm upside down. I'm like, oh I understand why they had to put him upside down because they couldn't find a good lookalike, but Yeah. Well to to be fair, even even like fixed future George from the end of the first one when he's got his book and stuff, he's still he's still a dweeb, but he's just successful. Oh, yeah, okay. I would argue, anyway. Yeah, but no, but he's like looks better. You know, this guy's wearing like a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> yeah. And then they merge around. They're like, "Fuck you and your character." Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, it gives it gives it gives a good sort of uh, motivation for Marty, I suppose, to move forward. Except it doesn't because I didn't get the impression that. I mean, obviously, he was trying to get his parents together so that he'd be born in the first mm-hmm. one, but. We don't really get like a, a full like I don't know like he doesn't seem he doesn't I'm not gonna say he doesn't care about his family because he clearly does but like there's not that it seems a bit weird to to do like a father retribution kind of story in the first film 
the main reason that the parents are so involved is because he needs to get them to get together so that he can be born. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not necessarily doing it for like it's not for true love. It's it's uh, I mean you could argue possibly. I mean this is very very like uh one way of looking at it and <laughs> not the only way. Um it's almost kind of um I don't want to say selfish, but like it's, it is purely for his own benefit that he's doing what he's doing in the first film. It's purely so that he can continue to exist. Um, he's not doing it for like for the good of love or for the good of his parents. He's doing it for himself at the end of the day. Well, I, I don't really even think he did it for himself. Right? I think it's just that one. They're, the only motive is survival and the fact that like Doc's told him that you know he has to do it, otherwise you know, fucking disastrous. Hmm. You're gonna have a big fucking parent like. I don't know what ha- what would happen if Marty got properly erased because then it'd be a paradox like why would he have gone you know what I mean mm. like you could argue that like, that's a universe ripping event having some a time traveler go back and die and erase himself yeah I guess not it'd be just a parallel universe I don't know I don't think they, they knew back then what was going to happen no I've, I think within the context of the film that would just create an alternate timeline as as happened when Biff Biff goes back and gives the book to book to himself, like yeah. that not that not that anyone died at that point, but um, that is all that happened. Like it just everything just changed. So I suppose if Marty goes back and dies, it's just it's just a case of will things later change. Yeah, I know, but it's a hard one because the reason that like things have changed is because he went back, but he can't go back if he didn't exist. True, but you have to remember. So time's a really funny thing because he's gone back in time, but for everyone else that is present where he's gone back, that is the present for them. Mm-hmm. So what he knows as the future isn't real to them mm-hmm. because it hasn't got there, I suppose. So in that kind of respect, time itself is very... Uh, I'm, I'm not smart enough for this. You'd have but... to... Like, if you went too much <laughs> you... into it... Yeah. This is why my, my dad, we were watching a time travel film last night. And my dad actually like fucking referenced the wink I did. He's like, yeah, people look too much in time travel, wink. And I'm like, you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was very funny though. But um, you could argue like the DeLorean at one point would fade away as well. Like yeah. DeLorean probably would have faded away quicker in the first one than Marty would have. Yeah, I think so. But you know, that's it. You can't overthink time travel. Just fucking ignore all that. I like how they handled it. Long story short, I like the little graph and how they made it an alternative hell valley there was actually lots of little lines of dialogue in this that made me laugh mostly just because i kept on thinking hmm that's a problem and then like professor would like very um eccentrically quickly and breathlessly explain why that's not actually a problem and then they just move on and then <laughs> i'd be like way. yeah and then i'd be like for example the bit where he was like um what about Einstein and Jennifer? They're trapped here. And he's just like, no, you see, like, it's perfectly fine. They'll just move with the new future. Like, don't think about it too much. It'll be okay. Wink. It's like, it's totally fine. You. Your voice impressions are so funny. That was quite good. <laughs> see, they're not, though, like that. <laughs> I think that was quite good. I couldn't, even, I couldn't even do that again if you paid me. What do you think about the special effects in this? Because I have... I'm. It's one of those things where, on the one hand, it's it's the eighties, so you you not you can't really punish it too much for what it does. Mm-hmm. I I do feel like some of it's actually really really impressive. Um, where they have, um, I mean, I know we did this with our film as well, so we know it can be done. But where you've got basically the same person twice in the same shot, really really well done in this. 
um, especially when they interact with each other, whether it's old Biff hitting young Biff on the back of the head or, you know, whatever else is going on there. That's quite impressive stuff. Oh, it's difficult stuff to do. Even the DeLorean flying, while you can still see, like, all right, that is a little bit dodgy, there are elements of it that actually look kind of, I wouldn't say good, but be- better than you would expect for the time period as well. There are occasional bits where, like, that's really not great. Like, there was a bit when, like, I think it's when it's in the tunnel scene where Beth is chasing with the car and then Marty grabs onto the the flag, the rope thing with flags on it, and he's pulled up into the sky. And I'm like, oh, God, that green screen's not gone well. Like, something's gone really awful here. Yeah. And there also the Jaws thing's a bit questionable. <laughs> So I was reading about that, and apparently that was um, that was actually the very, very first demo that they made of the 3D model. And I don't know if it was the director or who it was, but whoever it was really, really liked that it quite looked dodgy, and so oh, okay. that it was kept. So that but it was actually the first attempt at making it. Um, I um, I find that moment really odd, just because. Uh, I, so I like the comment that like, oh, the shark still looks fake. But I do find it really odd that um, he's standing there screaming at it, like over the top. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's so, I don't know how to put it. Like, it's just, like, it's such like a, like a, a sort of a, the, the kind of scream that someone lets out when they're dying or about to die like he really goes for it in a way that the film doesn't kind of ne- necessitate like I, there's there's bits that are kind of scarier in this film I would argue that kind of scream is legitimate for maybe not the <laughs> fake shark bit um, but like you know dial it back a bit <laughs> but I've never had a hologram run at me though well that's true see if I had the Whitney Whitney Houston hologram run at me I think I'd probably shit it too yeah, probably. That's fair. <laughs> just something like, I think they're scarier. Like, I think the shark, yeah, because it's like, you know, it's yeah. cartoon shark. But I think the kind of uncanny valley-ness of the holograms we have right now would like freak me out. Like, yeah. even having them come near me, I'd be like, oh, go away. God. Yeah. I wonder if those those you don't actually see when you're right up close, if they kind of just like fade away because they are kind of, they're still projections onto things. I wonder if you can't even see them when you're like right on top of them. Well, they're mirrors, aren't they? Not really projections, they're like a mirror image. Mm. Um, I don't really know how it works. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about them, honestly, but that was my theory. The other thing I thought I wanted to just mention as well is this one feels to me at least a little bit more... It's, it's odd saying the first one wasn't slapstick because you have a car that drives into like a van of shit in the first mm-hmm. one. But this one feels more slapstick in a way. There's a bit where Marty kicks Biff or Griff Jr., whichever, whatever, in the balls. And you literally hear a as he does it. And I like that for me is just a bit... I don't mind the ball kicking, but it's, it's the sound effect that goes along with it. Like, I just kind of think it kind of... <sighs> It, it just takes me out at the moment. It's, it's just suddenly very cartoony in a way that, and again, I'm not saying like, so it's a film about time traveling. I'm not saying it needs to be realistic, but I don't think it needs to be that cartoony at the same time. Um, and there's a couple of instances like that where where the, fo- it's not even a Foley sound. It's literally like people don't make that noise. Like mm-hmm. it's it's such a, it's a, it's a Looney Tunes kind of sound effect that's just being put. It was a Foley the- sound then. Like someone will have like clanged a yeah. helmet thing. You know, or pan. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's. 
Yeah, it's it's weird. I think sequels are all like that though, where it just like the first one is such a kind of I can't even really describe it. Like uh I don't know. There's like a special place for it and it's very, you know mm. <laughs> I can't think of any other word other than special. And then the second one comes along and they're like, Alright, let's just play with the comedy a bit more. I feel like that happens with lots, you know, mm-hmm. it's just kinda of not the same reverence you see it with. I'm not saying I dislike part two. I don't dislike part two. I think the whole report's obviously a fucking iconic part of Back to the Future kind of fandom. Yeah. And this and the self-lacing shoes and all this and but yeah, there's just something kind of less like classic about it in a way. Maybe maybe what I'm trying to say. Even like even down to like his kids like being dweebies. Well, you're like oh, you know. Sometimes you get invested and you kind of just enjoy the first one so much and they're kind of complete. And then you're like oh, your kid's like a dweeb, Grant. You know like yeah. What what do you make then? Um, I say what do you make as if this is a serious question. But <laughs> um, so the film. It doesn't go out of its way to project the future. It just depicts a version of 2015 from the perspective of, of uh, 1989, I guess, is, which is when this was made. And there were certain predictions that they had that came true and certain that didn't. Um, I like that they essentially have, well, a version of uh, like, you know, Skype or like video calls or whatever going on. Um, I enjoyed the idea that people would be watching six TV channels at once. Um, that's kind of funny. Although you do have that. It's not wrong. It's kind of not. Like Sky used to let you do that with something, did it not? Well, I'm like watching my phone and a movie at the same time quite often. So. Yeah. Um, the shoes that he wears, we don't have self-lacing ones, but like we did, there, there were like that kind of style of shoes for a little while that were big and puffy. I think they made self-lacing ones because they knew the film was coming up. So they, they technically have made them. They just don't sell them. Yeah. Um, or they're not mainstream is more my point yeah. but like um, what else is there obviously there's no hoverboards and there's no flying cars yet really not not at least again in mainstream no um, I, I really think someone should make cafe 80s I think that would make a lot of money in any city I so I I liked the idea of that. I was thinking that while I was watching. I was like, this this it's really funny the idea of people in the eighties trying to depict what eighties nostalgia would look like. Yeah. Um, and I I have a lot of time for for the idea of that. I love that the video machine waiters are a bit glitchy and kind of shit. So it's kind of tacky, but like uh, kind of fun. And I like that it was like Ronald Reagan and Michael Jackson welcoming people to the. <laughs> <laughs> the cafe and stuff. Yeah, these things haven't aged well. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite funny in its own way. Um, but um, simultaneously, of course, like th- they tried to make it futuristic. So I'll, I just want a Pepsi, and so a Pepsi shoots out like a portal in the floor, just so that you can grab it. And you just think, oh, well, I mean, it's kind of nifty in its own way. I wouldn't mind one of those for my house, to be fair. Like no, if I could just no. like, you know order a Pepsi, please. cherry cola or whatever i'm a cherry cola boy so i like pepsi max cherry yeah i'm i like sugar so yeah i don't like pepsi i like cola but like if it's sugar free the pepsi max range is better than the diet cola range yeah no that's fair totally agree um so yeah, no, I, I like that. I like their kind of view of '80s nostalgia through the lens of people who are still at the time living through the '80s, at least. Yeah. Well, um, you see, if, if I could recreate that cafe exactly, I would do it. 
mm-hmm. I would make it exactly like that down to the Michael Jackson TV screen. Like, I think that would make a lot of money. I think people would pay to come and just get a Pepsi there. If, if you were trying to make a late 2010s, early 2020s nostalgia cafe, what would that look like? Early 2020s cafe? Oh. Nostalgia cafe. Like right now though, that's the thing, yeah. I mean, I suppose it's too early in the decade, so I suppose late 2010s then. So like from 2015 through to now, that's your time period. What would your nostalgia cafe look like? Fuck. Bearing in mind, I guess you're doing it in 20 years time. Like, what do we take from this? Well, no, I I would be doing it now, wouldn't I? Pretend, because that's what they did. They were in the 80s and they were making a cafe 80s. Sure. So I suppose what's popular now is like TikTok. God, it'd just be TikTok and fidget spinners everywhere. Fidget spinners. And slime slime memes maybe on the walls yeah this is fine would be everywhere yeah you'd, you'd be allowed to take your mask off in the in the cafe because there wasn't covid back then that would be something on the way in you're forced to put on a mask until you're placed at your seat yeah so, <laughs> that, that would be like nostalgia. current nostalgia or if yeah. you like um yeah we got this we've got a bit we've got Social a business distance. venture yeah <laughs> <laughs> We've got a business venture. Should we choose to take it up in the future? Yeah, cafe twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Cafe twenty twenty. Yeah. Goodness. I don't know. See, the thing is, I don't think many people have a desire to visit the year twenty twenty. So, like, it's probably doomed to fail from the start. But. But we could make cafe eighties happen. We could. We could just like just make it a Back to the Future tribute cafe. And you've won. Like, it, honestly, it's really funny that they're probably not self-aware like that a, a cafe's 80 thing would just be like a fucking back to the future and ghostbusters tribute i was gonna say like we'd probably actually struggle doing that seeing as neither of us are actually from the 80s i think a lot of people would come and pick holes be like uh excuse me oh no but i was like for my cafe 80s i would literally recreate the one from the movie oh like, right, mine okay. would just be like a movie tribute more than like an actual 80s tribute i'd be like yeah. i'd be like here's the cafe 80s but it's the back to the future cafe 80s yeah, so it's for right. movie fans rather than 80s fans. Yeah, that's fair enough. Like, I'm recreating the fucking, like, I'll have a staff member at the bottom just, like, pushing Pepsis up. <laughs> <laughs> Getting paid pennies an hour to do that. <laughs> yeah, you get paid a fiver an hour to, like, just when you hear someone say they want Pepsi, just, like, hand <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. Or make the sound effect, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're living for a cost of energy crisis, so you yeah, know. Yeah, I need to have a like a vacuum of Pepsi. I need to have a human hand sticking out. Yeah, exactly. I'll do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think that probably covers a lot of the things I was wanting to talk about. I think next time it would be really good to talk about the fact that this was shot back to back with part three. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're probably better off just saving that. Yeah. Until then, is there anything else you think's worth? going over before we jump into the plot or nah we'll be get there as we get there well we could mention now like pointless spin-off did a did a podcast based off a prompt that we sent them on this film you know the like you know the the when they're in cafe 80s and it's the gun machine all right okay yeah one of the kids is elijah wood oh i didn't know that so the well the one that's elijah wood's elijah wood right okay <laughs> And the one they call one it a isn't. baby's toy. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that's oh. a baby's toy. That's Elijah Wood, and they did a pointless spinoff based on him and the arcade machine, and it was fucking bizarre. <laughs> it's 
strangest thing I've ever listened to. So I highly recommend if you want to uh, experience that, go for it. You have my endorsement of that episode. Have you listened to it, Callum? Uh, no. <laughs> it's our episode. <laughs> I, I I only listen to one of us is bored episodes. I don't listen to anything else. So. I think that's fair. It's probably what people should do. But if you do want that's, to venture out. Yeah. It's kind of a crossover, but not really. Like, you know, we prompted them. We're there in spirit. Shall we just um, get going then, I guess, maybe? Yeah, let's hop on into the plot. Hop on in. So it's it's, it's not even December, it's October. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, off to a great start already, Callum. Callum can't read. We knew this. We're at the end of the last film. We are. We are. We're literally picking up where the last film left off. And we've seen the DeLorean shoot off into the sky. Uh, Biff has seen it go. Uh, and the DeLorean ends up in space, or rather in, in the sky, and there's cars flying around everywhere. Yeah. And-, and Jennifer, Doc, and Marty in there. They didn't want Jennifer in there. That's the thing. The, the director said if they knew they were doing a sequel, they would never put her in there because it's irritating having another character in. Yeah. So uh, she starts asking questions and they immediately knock her out. I'm just like, that's savage. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, nah, fuck you, don't want Jennifer. It's like, why would you put her in the car then? Yeah, well, yeah. I I guess, as you say, like, they didn't realize there was going to be a sequel and and the rest of it, but you're right. I wonder if, if from that point of view, maybe they shouldn't have picked up directly where the first one left off. I mean... There's there's plenty of arguments that you could pick up the film at, at a different point and explain. You could throw, put in a throwaway line after we dropped Jennifer at home. We went to blah 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 blah, and that just answers the questions immediately. You don't need to like. I mean, they showed her going into the time machine though, and going like you know they they had the double fire lines like they fucked it. Shoved her in there. Oh, they do, they do. Oh, I'm I'm well aware, but like I'm there. There could be a period of things happening that the audience isn't aware of. They could have gone to the future, gone back, dropped her off, whatever. We don't need to see all that. Like we we just need a brief. We just need a brief explanation. Um, I would have just taken the opportunity to replace the actress, and then just I would have just changed what happened. I would just like like said right. No, actually, get out. You get. <laughs> <laughs> Some, something in the past has happened Jennifer no longer looks like Jennifer <laughs> you changed I the past I wouldn't address it yet I would be like you, wait you, like doc what happened and it's just like something's happened in the past Marty like she's fine she's, she's let's just drop different. her home and then we'll deal with it yeah <laughs> or not <laughs> I, don't, I mean they worked off what they had they shouldn't have like it's just funny like it's just so obvious how much they don't want her to be there <laughs> like, you know they're like Jennifer just sleep She's like, oh, do we have kids? And she just, she's just such a different character. Like they really changed her character. Um, yeah, I know. Actually, that was something I never really clicked when you were saying that earlier. But as soon as she's in the car, she's like, oh, we can see our wedding and the kids. And what about the kids? And it's, it's just super, super full of questions in a way that the original one just wasn't. The original one was kind of cool and aloof. You know, she's just going with it, you know? Yeah. Or this one's like kind of irritating. Do you, do you think they made her irritating so that the audience would be like, oh, thank fuck, and not not like question the fact that she's being knocked out or anything like that? They're like more like, right, let's get on with the story as opposed to, fuck, we've got to worry about Jennifer. Because if she's really annoying and knocked out, that's actually kind of not just convenient for the plot, but it's actually quite convenient for, <laughs> convenient for the audience as well. Well, I think the thing is, 
For all that there's a little bit of romance in the first one between the parents and some creepy incest romance, Back to the Future is a buddy-buddy film opposed to a, a romantic film, mm. which is why I think the third one suffers. Spoiler alert. Like It's not set up to be a, a romance film where mm. we give a shit about who's getting together with who. That's, you mm. know, that's secondary to the buddy-buddy relationship. You yeah. know, you'd rather have Doc and Marty interacting than you would you know, uh, Marty and Jennifer, for example. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Having a girlfriend or a wife or whatever kind of ruins the dynamic a bit. You know, you need to get rid of that rapidly. So I think the audience forgive that because they're not in there to watch Jennifer Barker and Marty McFly. They're they're in there to watch Doc and Marty. That's it. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'll get into that in the next one. But, you know, that's it. I await with anticipation. <laughs> oh, fucking Clara, just the worst. <laughs> just the worst character ever. Gosh. Well, um, so Jennifer has been knocked out, and they've le- they've left her asleep in an alleyway because <laughs> they really give a shit about this character because they don't care. They're like, "Will she be safe here? Oh, we'll only be a few minutes." It's like, fine. That that doesn't answer the question. Will she be safe here? <laughs> even near carrying her, I forgot what happened exactly. I thought they were going to dump her in the bin. I must have got that. <laughs> when was wow. when was the last time you watched this prior to watching it for this uh post covid it's been a while hmm. pre-covid or that's what i meant yes I'm yeah stupid yeah pre-covid yeah. it's been yeah. a long time fair enough um no i was just curious um yeah so i feel like and i know that the um the doctor is trying his best not to tell them too much about their future so as not to cause any like issues but i feel like uh this is a classic case of if if um one character wasn't playing it as um mysterious as they were like things would have actually gone a lot more straightforward it's a weird thing to, i understand why they're trapped doing this let's save the kids because that's what they said at the end of the first one right yeah. thinking about it I don't understand why he's very holier than now about, oh, we can't change the timeline, but he's willing to change this one thing in the timeline. Yeah. But then he won't let them go back to change the car accident. I would go back in time and be like, right, bro, something's happened to you and we went in the past. You need to get over this chicken thing. Yeah. You're going to like ruin your life in a car accident. Like your, be- your best friend. Like if-, if I made a time machine and I fucked, you know, I changed your personality a bit and you started acting a bit weird, like, calm. If you don't fucking slow your roll. You're going to go into a car accident and break your arm and ruin your life. Like, I would yeah. do that because I'm a bud. Whereas Doc does this really elaborate. It's like, I'm going to take you to the future and help you fix your kid. And maybe maybe we'll go on an adventure when that's happening. And you'll maybe learn yourself not to do that. It's like, well, but I'm also I'm also not going to answer any questions you may have. And I'm not going to give you any information that and may or may not. I'm not going to tell work. you the rules. And, and I'm not going to tell you what to expect when you go in there. I'm not going to tell you that the, the guy you're fucking meeting is the great grandson of, of the guy that fucking bullied your dad. Like all of that is information that would have actually been quite useful, um, and would have you know I, I wouldn't necessarily have avoided all of the the incidents that they had, but like it's the sort of thing that like right okay you could at least prepare to be dealing with him so you know what you're getting into, and instead he just lets him fucking walk into that. He's like this ruins your whole family. I'm like no, him getting into an automobile accident ruins his whole family. Like why don't you go back and fix that? Yeah, straight away like up do that like this is elaborate like it's like maybe he's like trying to encourage him to learn a lesson through doing this but it's like you know 
See, see, I mean, I, I feel like that's giving giving Doc Brown too much credit because he's not he's not there to teach people lessons. He's there to not fuck up the future and to enjoy his time machine. Like yeah. I do, I don't think he's some moral character that's there to to whatever. He he's interested in fixing this element of the future because it relates to Marty's kids specifically. If it was anyone else, he wouldn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's quite willing to to take. Uh, any slight change to his own future, you know, uh, Doc Brown arrested and put in psych ward turns into uh, Bright uh, turns from Doc Brown committed to Doc Brown commended. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, oh, that's wonderful. That's a good outcome. Except we're not meant to be changing the future, are we? But that's perfectly fine because it relates to me. Well, I mean, that only happened because they went back and had to change other stuff. Like, that's like, it's just, it was such a weird choice to make, you know, we had to fix your kids it's just such a weird thing and i understand it was just a throwaway line and then are like fuck we have to work with it now um but it's just like you can't like say oh you can't go back and take a fucking almanac like it's, oh we could change the future like, but we're literally doing that you know that's you brought me back here to change the future mm. but if i bring back a thing and become a bit richer like oh it's gonna change everything it's like but that's why you brought me to change everything yeah like i don't understand like where the line of morality is like it's not like marty was gonna Go fucking Donald Trump, sleazy tower. No, no, I don't know. They didn't establish that at that point. That he had flaws. You know, he was quite quite a good character in the first one. No, he'd have probably just been able to stop working and do music stuff. Yeah, and like whether or not it was successful, that would have been him. To be fair, probably. Yeah, so there's no problem with him having one or two bets. I would say. The the one thing that I find a little bit interesting about that is that like in this new future, although he hasn't had the opportunity to live in it himself yet, mm-hmm. his dad is a successful offer. So they're probably kind of loaded as a family in a way that they weren't before. So I don't know, because he died really quick, didn't he? So he only got to do like one thing. Well yeah. I, I mean, it's weird because there's no reason why George McFly would suddenly be a quicker writer because it's because in the original one he became an author in 1985, like or right. a published author in 1985. But in this one, he died in 1973. Right. So for some reason, the change in the past of Beth becoming rich has made George McFly move his novel writing up by like 10 years, 20 years. Mm. So why why is George McFly the author murdered? Like I don't understand because like he shouldn't have published a book until twelve years later anyway. Is it not just because Biff um, wanted his wife? What do you and, mean? Well, so Biff doesn't really so um, Biff is interested in Lorraine. Yeah. So but so if George is dead, then she can't like obviously go with George because she's yeah, dead. Yeah, yeah. But but it said in the newspaper. You know, author George McFly has been murdered. Yeah, but he wasn't an author until 1985 in the original, you know, timeline right. because that's when he was like, "Oh, it's your first novel," you know. Right. She said that she said because he was a lecturer and she said, "Oh, it's your first novel." He's like, oh, that's right, yeah. But it says author, and he died in 1973, so he must have been an author like 12 years earlier than he was in the original timeline. So, what about the change that Beth made? made it so that George had time to be an author before he was murdered. Goodness. If you understand what I'm saying. Do you understand I, what I'm saying? I, I get what you're saying, yeah. Um, we have a plot hole. <laughs> there could be plot holes. <laughs> no, you're right. He shouldn't be. He should just be like some random guy that he's killed. I mean, that's just a fucking throwaway newspaper thing, but it's like you should have thought that through. 
But then it's like, why would he be the newspaper? He wasn't an author. He just be like random man in horrible, horrible country dies. Like you know, because it was a horrific place to live in anyway. Yeah. And if it was like, if you're a successful author, why would you stay? I, well, yeah, there is that question as well. Like your family there to suffer. Yeah. <laughs> it's like suffering makes good art. So he was just like, well, maybe I'll write good books if we live in squalor. <laughs> <laughs> Next to Biff Tower. Next to Biff Tower, but not in Biff Tower, just next to it. <laughs> yeah. Gods. Um, yeah, so that's, I don't, I, I've never thought that before, but now I have. And <laughs> it's ruined it. It hasn't really, but it's a question. Something must have happened. I mean, you can, exp- you know, you can always just in your mind go, oh, it's probably, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. Because movie. Because cause, none of this is real. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, timeline changed yeah. anyway, so I guess you could move things back and forth. But <laughs> A wizard did it, yeah. Well, it's just like, very convenient that everyone else, like they still had three kids before he died and all that. Yeah. All three kids that look like himself. And it's convenient that the, the Marty of, you know, the alternative universe was sent away so he wasn't there to meet himself. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of kind of convenience. Yeah, and it's convenient that Doc Brown was in a asylum. Yeah. Gosh. Well, anyway. So, thanks to Doc Brown's lack of information, essentially. Um, and actually, I don't really like the idea that, like, so, so Marty's trying to impersonate Marty Jr., who is his son, his grandson. Um, his son, he's only 47. His son. Um, and luckily he looks identical to him because because he does. So so Dr. Brown incapacitates Marty Jr. to stop him turning up at this place that he's meant to go, the Nostalgia Cafe. Why didn't he just do that? Why did Marty have to come? Well, <laughs> great question, Sam. Because like, <laughs> I needed to plot for this film, I guess. She's going to knock him out. Because then he can't go... I, I again it's it's like something's got to be done about your kids this film could have been like a really really fun let's just go into 2015 and see what's happening but instead because we've got to come and fix the kids or could it be now let's go into the past and fuck around for a bit or it could have been instead of you need to fix your kids it could have been a, oh I've got trapped in the random part you know it could have been the part three part and they somehow ended up in the future in the last part you know yeah they could have been, oh, I'm trapped in the fucking past if I, uh, uh, you know, a way to, you know, fueling system. Because they did give the car a convenient fueling system in this film. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> in the future, it'll just take anything that you need to use as fuel. Yeah. Any biomass will do. Yeah. They, they could have not done that and made that the plot. Yeah, but they didn't. They, they, we got this instead. Thank, thank goodness. I don't know. Like, I'm trapped in the future, and then Marty has to age and wait through time to come back to save him and send mm. him back. Gosh. They could have done so much, but instead they're like, this one throwaway line has, like, chosen the path Con- of where the film's going. <laughs> condemned yeah. the film to this path. Again, but... I don't hate or dislike this film at all. I'm just seeing that there's some, like, small flaws. <laughs> I, I think I should probably say that at this point as well. I don't particularly hate this film either. I... I really actually quite enjoyed it for what it mm-hmm. is uh i i don't prefer it over the, the first one no the first one's so fucking good 
Um, the the first one is in and of itself just just uh, kind of untouchable, I think. Um, and I, as I've said, I don't really like the repeating elements of this one, but it, in its own way, it does have its own kind of charms. There's some kind of fun elements. Going back to the first film in the fifties parts where you're seeing the first yeah that's fucking amazing for example when he was standing through the doorway and he he overheard the conversation from the first film oh george is going to take me home and stuff like that you think that's really cool like just because it because it adds a whole new layer to the first film while we're watching that just behind the camera Uh is future marty yeah like listening in and he's just like there's so much that's added there it's really cool so marty and uh griff end up getting in a fight and a, and a hoverboard chase. Um, and basically it's just a repeat of the, the chase from the first film, uh, but with hoverboards instead of skateboards this time. And it results in Griff and the gang flying through the church, not the church, the, what do you call it? The council tower, the clock tower? The clock tower. I'm pretty sure someone got super injured doing that. You can tell, I mean, obviously they're on wires and stuff, but the, the, they're actually flying doesn't look very convincing. Like I, I feel like as as usually I'm kind of all for practical effects over special effects, just because. But like, just I don't think that looks particularly good. I don't think it's that bad. I quite like the part where his his little Mattel one doesn't work over water. He's just like, <laughs> like I'm still trying. I might just jump in, you fucker. Like just yeah, yeah. That bit was kind of kind of funny. I like how deep that water is as well. Yeah. Like, like that's like not a health and safety hazard in front of like a council building, but okay, just Why, well, no one's fallen in thus far. I think it's fine. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. um, so this actually ends up with history changing. So the, the point of Marty going to meet Griff in the thing is to to stop his son from being able to to go on this evening plan, whatever, this excursion and ruining his life and ending up in prison thereafter. But because he's now managed to get Griff and his gang arrested, that's completely changed things in a way that wasn't necessarily expected. Um, it has, however, kind of solved the problem anyway. So, um, but uh, before going back to meet Dr. Brown... Marty purchases a magazine containing the results of major sporting events from 1950 through to 2000. Um, that's such like a random. Did did they used to make those, or is that like? Because I can't imagine any kind of. It, it it's so. It, I mean, I'm not a sports fan. Is the thing so like mm-hmm. maybe, maybe this is maybe this is a thing that's done, but I could not imagine buying a kind of a book that just listed fucking like football results or something like that it's just so bizarre to me uh yeah apparently they do that's so sad like i'm sorry but like um i mean if you're a huge fan of stuff like if there was like a weird book of old panic at disco posters i'd probably buy it (laughs) you know see that's a bit different like see like because um, I'm, I'm like, oh, that's sort of sad. But like, I so there's something really, really interesting about like where like, you know, bands and stuff from certain time periods, like where they charted, because it gives you like a really good indication of where the culture was at, like who was popular, where was that football scores, like well, it's that's like tell- baseball and racing and stuff too. It's like yeah, really- that that tells you fuck all about the culture or anything like that. That's just that's like, it's yeah, it tells you fuck all. 
basically. I don't know. I, I just I just don't get it. Dear listener, if you do understand that sort of thing, please let us know. Give us a comment or something. Explain it to me because I, ju- I just don't understand. I don't know if it's that real a thing, to be honest. I think it's a convenient plot device. Like whenever you Google Almanac, it's like uh, it's the Back to the Future one that appears. To be honest, it, it kind of shows uh, had he really gone through to 2015, he'd have just looked it up on Google. So yeah like, that's he, he just found anything he wanted to find there so it's yeah you've just been on the internet yeah yeah i i the fact there's only one the shop's kind of telling of the fact that it's not a very popular thing it's just very lucky that it was there yeah well yeah i know that which is totally fair because they are antiques like uh, it's like i like i like that it was a shop with like old technology here's like you know the original apple mac and <laughs> stuff, <laughs> stuff like that but um and there was a little um, "Who Framed Roger Rabbit" reference as well, and oh, stuff. was there? I missed it. Stuffed, stuffed Roger Rabbit in the window. Oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, um, which obviously um, is something that Zemeckis filmed. Yeah, and Chris Floyd was in. So yeah, that's just a little fun crossover mm-hmm. reference, I guess, maybe. But uh, and you missed it. You've missed it multiple times over because you know this film better than me. <laughs> 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 I probably like, if I saw it I'd probably see it you know what I mean but yeah 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 I don't immediately think oh it's there oh well fair enough um so before um it's disposed this magazine's disposed of they're interrupted by the police who found Jennifer in the alley and they decide to take her home um there was a there's some interesting little lines there so they obviously do a scan to see who she is and they work out that she's Jennifer and they're like oh she looks good for 41 I thought, all right, that's quite fun. 47. 47 or whatever. I'm just like, oh, she's got good surgery or whatever. I'm like, oh, I like that. That's quite fun. Yeah. Um, This is where we get to the house, isn't it? And we see Marlene, who you've just learned is Michael J. Fox. It is, yeah. He does the voice well, too. Yeah. Well, again, I I was fooled, so. Yeah, so we're just going to see them interacting in their house, and it's just showing off, again, more future stuff and how... Like it's weird because they're kind of portraying them as being like a poor family, but they're just not. Like no. they're still middle class. Like they have a fucking like you know all the stuff they have, like six TV screens. Like oh, we don't have eight. No, it's like well, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you have a house at all. Most people don't have that. You have only. an automated fruit machine that descends from the ceiling. Like, yeah, you can redry rehydrate a pizza. That pizza looks good though. Yeah, I mean, I like. Oh, I thought that was a really cool bit of editing. The, the way that they, they put it in and shut the door and pulled it out and that was done in like three seconds. I was like, okay, that's quite cute. I like that. So yeah, basically it's just them in the house and Jennifer's just seeing and hearing about how their life is fucked up and shite because Marty mm-hmm. had a car accident. It's just funny. It's like such a big event and they keep referencing it and they just, they're just happy to bitch about <laughs> their son to their grandkids. Like, mm-hmm. oh, if your dad hadn't have done this, you'd have a great life. You wouldn't be living here in a squalor. I'm like, well, it's not that bad, first off. And second of all, like, fuck off. Yeah. Fuck off. You made, up with your, you made out with your kids. Like, don't even. Yeah. Lorraine. Yeah, Lorraine and George come. This is where we have the Crispin Glover impersonator come. Yeah. And they're just interacting in their house. like, And then Marty gets into a... He does a deal with. It's weird because Leah Thompson plays um, all of the kind of Lorraine characters and all the family members that are like female McFlies, and then you know Marty plays his son and his daughter and whatever. For some reason, Needles, who is meant to be Beth's relative, is played by a totally different actor. Right. Um, it kind of confuses it a little bit. I'm like, right, you're trying to imply that everyone looks the same through you know past, future, and whatever. Yeah. Then you have this other guy, Needles. 
it's not immediately apparent that he's related to Biff because it's like the name's not, you know, no. it's not the same actor either. So you have Needles. He's a business associate of Mari's and then he commits them to do a dodgy deal. I'm not sure what the deal is, though. Um, was he not just transferring money? Yeah, but why would that get you like fired? I'm sure it was company money. It's like right. it, it's like if um, I don't know if I had access to my organization. Like embezzlement. Yeah, I guess okay. so. So he gets convinced to embezzle funds from the fun, uh, company. But he kind of is peer pressured or rather than convinced. because yeah, he, he's like, told he's a chicken. He's like, fine, I'll do it. Because this is a thing now. Whenever Marty's called a chicken in this film, he reacts immediately. It's just an easy way to make him do what you want him to do. Meanwhile, Jennifer's watching him. He gets fired. And she's like, grand. She goes to leave. She meets her old self. And then they both pass out. And that's how we get rid of Jennifer again. Yeah. For the second time. <laughs> Very, yeah, convenient. So, and she's dragged out the door. By Doc. By Dr. Brown, which is kind of good, I guess. Um, and they decide again, again, uh, because it worked so well last time, they're like, right, we're going to just leave her somewhere. Oh, no, they, they decide to go home at this point. Well, they do, but they still just leave her on the porch. Yeah, but like, we can't like break into the house. It's like no. what over time of day is. Um. So this bit, um, we see Marty go home. Um, no, so so they end up. Is this is this when they go back to? So they go to they, they've they've left twenty fifteen. Yeah. To go back to nineteen eighty five without knowing that Biff has already stolen the time machine to go back to nineteen fifty five and give his past self the sports almanac. Yeah. So they, not knowing this, go back to nineteen eighty five. Which is where they find, yeah, yeah, it's it's an alternative universe because Biff has gone back and changed the past. They don't know this yet. So there's an there's a bit of a odd scene here where um, Marty uh, kind of breaks into what would have been his house, and he's confronted by um, like another family that's in there. And there's a there's a weird bit of dialogue there that I kind of felt was like really unnecessary and actually. It kind of um, underpowered the the kind of performance for me because I thought there was a really cool bit where like so the dad is basically just trying to defend his daughter. He's trying to like as far as he knows, like Marty's just like I don't know if he's like a like random fucking street rapist or something. Mm-hmm. But he's just walking into his daughter's room, uh, and then he just yells out down the street to something like tell that landlord we're not interested in selling up or something like that. And I'm just like, it, that's such a weird reaction to have, like. like random man in your daughter's bedroom in the middle of the night and your reaction is oh that's someone trying to get us to sell the house like that's maybe just... they've been harassed maybe they've been like trying to harass bully them into leaving by harassing them that, that's fine but that like it's 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 not necessary because not only not only is that not a plot point for the for that street like there's there's nothing about that street being people selling developments on that house or knocking down or whatever we don't hear from that family again it's such a weird bit of exposition to just throw in there, because it just it doesn't do with the plot whatsoever. It's just other than the fact that the area is a bit like underdeveloped and kind of deprived and a bit like lower down on the. I think it's just like yeah, that's a weird line, but the whole thing is just to show that like they're somewhere else. That's it. Like oh no, totally. Like I I I I I really like that family and that scene mm-hmm. moment. I just really wish that they'd said something else. Just like. Yeah, you better run or something like that. It doesn't even have to be 
anything that much. It's just such a weird line to throw in. Yeah. Oh, I never. I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you what he said, to be honest. It's mostly the <laughs> just the shock of him when he lands in his bed and he's landing on top of someone else. He's like, the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he goes to, was he, I don't even know where he goes from there. He goes, he just kind of walks around the streets and it does look like a shithole, even more than a shithole than it already did. Him, well, he goes, he runs into his um, head teacher. Yeah, his Strickland, yeah. Strickland, that's the word. That's the name even. Yeah. Um, that's um, kind of a nice little cameo, I suppose, from the first yeah. film. Um, and he's quite aggressive and, and whatnot, as you would be. We have to be, it's like the apocalypse has happened. Yeah, it is. Um, Hill Valley's become Hell Valley, as they said on the sign. I quite like yeah. that. Yeah, it's just funny that like Beth being rich. Yeah. Like, at any point, if Beth had made money, he would have made a dystopian future for everyone. Yeah. Like one man caused so much chaos. I know. And everyone else is just apparently well not necessarily fine with it but like they're 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 willing to adapt to it i suppose well, they have to he's the richest like he's got so much power because he's just the richest man ever because whenever there's a fucking betting event like wouldn't you at one point investigate that I'd be like fucking hell like well i don't know because if if you are that poor i'm and i'm i'm not saying this in an ignorant kind of way because i know like it's not it's not as easy as right i'm just gonna move because obviously you need money to move but if you have if you have basically nothing as a lot of these people seem to have then you could have basically nothing somewhere else where there isn't like a megalomaniac just sort of but we don't know how how like wide-reaching this dystopian chaos goes that's true i suppose yeah you could have fucked up the entire world with his choices somehow because if no one no other millionaires are created through the lottery at all it's like well who knows who needed the startup money from that and actually he was worldwide famous because they said something like he's the luckiest man in the world he was literally given that title known internationally by that so i suppose he doesn't necessarily like have international influence but he is at least known beyond america so yeah interesting um and we know that he's forced um, mari's mother lorraine to marry him and he's also had doc brown commit to a mental hospital yeah um and sent marty away to switzerland yeah um that there's a lot of there's there's kind of a lot going on there um really well yeah it's like kind of a lot, a lot to take in for us and the character so um so Marty kind of, like, he finds out, he, he goes to the, is it the hotel he goes to first? Yeah. And then he gets knocked out and then he meets his mum, Big Boob Lorraine. Yeah. And she's shocked to see him because obviously he's meant to be. Yeah, he's meant to be in Switzerland, but she's like, she's still, it's weird because she's like, still a decent person. She's just in a difficult situation. It's not like she's a bad, like she's suddenly turned into a bad parent. She's just like stuck. Yeah, and she's just she, she she is, but like I feel in some ways it's actually because maybe because of the situation that they're, they're in. But her kids are in a position where he says something like, "If you leave, I'm going to stop paying your daughter's credit card bills, and I'll cut her off." And you don't. That's not a threat unless your daughter can't take care of herself, mm-hmm. or, or unless she doesn't understand like the value of money and spending and stuff. Because if you were like, right, I'm going to cut you off, you'd be like, right, well, fine, I'll just deal with it myself. That's only a threat if you're, like, fucking incompetent, basically. Well, I imagine that he's made a situation where they're all reliant on him. Like, he'll deliberately made that so she can't leave. Like, they'll deliberately said, right, you can't do this, this, and this. And, yeah. oh, don't bother, get a job. You know, I'll cover this, this, and this. They're just kind of making a, you know, 
manipulating them into being stuck there. Yeah, that's probably exactly how it is. Um, yeah, so Biff's basically like a weird mixture of like the Playboy guy and Donald Trump and a few other <laughs> like just some like really really angry kind of um, like <laughs> like an angry Rockefeller, I guess. It's just mm-hmm. sort of very um, very tacky as well, though. It's like. It's very, it's, it's very tacky, but like it's kind of like even if you were doing that for the benefit of your children, uh, I don't see what he gets out of this unless he enjoys like just seeing her suffer. Like may- maybe, maybe it's less to do with him loving her and more to do with seeing her suffer. Who Beth? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, don't, I think Beth wants to own Lorraine rather than he actually like likes her. He just wants her because he couldn't have her, and then I think that's he got. It. Her. There's there's more than just love there because you wouldn't. I, why would you want someone like forcibly stuck around who just complains all the time and can't fucking stand you? Like it's just like you wouldn't. So it is like I feel like. Well, I mean, he's cheating on her. We know that because we see him in the hot tub with other girls. He just wants to own her because yeah. it's a thing over George and he he doesn't like her. And yeah, imagine being so bothered by a dead man though, like that the, you, you yourself killed. Yeah, you murdered someone. You're still fucking. Yeah. Upset about it. It's like at him, like, okay. It's like you got it all and you're just fucking going too far. Like, yeah. come on. Oh, Steady went, on a bit. Yeah, he went too far a long time ago, but mm-hmm. but um Basically Beth comes home, abuses Lorraine, tells Marty to fuck off. So Marty does. So Marty fucks off. Yeah. yeah, he finds out his dad has died. So he goes to the graveyard to go see his dad's grave. Which is where Doc finds him because Doc's like, well, assumed, like, I heard that your dad died, so I thought you'd probably come here. And it's like, well, yeah, good choice. Yeah. I, again, I, f- I feel that's a little bit of convenience because. Well, where else would you go? I, like, I, I imagine he'd either go to the Doc's house or the graveyard. So I think they would have bumped into each other either way. Only, he only finds out that he's died because his mum tells him. Um, so had he not gone to Biff's hotel, he wouldn't have found out that his mum was there. No, but he would have went to Doc's house and Doc would have told him. Yeah, but no, he wouldn't because Doc wouldn't be there. Doc would be hanging around the graveyard because that's where he figured Marty would go. But like, not immediately. Like, he arrived in the convenience. So that hotel scene took a while. So by the time, <laughs> what? No, I'm like, that's fair. I'm just laughing at the idea that like Marty's trying to find the doctor. And the doctor's hanging around the graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> You're just waiting. You're just like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> once again, he's more cryptic than useful. Like, he's just. <laughs> So I figured you'd be here. I was like, okay, oh, you not like. <laughs> could you not have? Yeah, all right, fine, whatever. Okay, fine, whatever. Um, both like Jennifer's a very valued character. Like neither of them think, oh, she will check on. <laughs> Did you go check on how she's doing? <laughs> she's still at the porch. Well, <laughs> 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 mm. to be fair, is the audience asking about her either? I don't think they are. Like I, I no, but it's like there's two Jennifers wandering around though. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we don't know what happens, Jennifer. We don't care about either, so yeah. <laughs> there's two of them and we don't have any like yeah, any. No fucks to give about no where Jennifer is. Where's Jennifer? Who cares? <laughs> um so yeah. Um They try and deduce when things went wrong because so Doc explains to Mario we're in an alternative nineteen eighty five, something happened at some point yeah. in the past to make this a new present. So Mario goes back to the hotel speaks to Beth he says I know about the the almanac so I'm saying that's so wrong but he's like so is uh, it an almanac is that almanac maybe I don't know know. so uh, he's like Beth when like where did you get it from and then Beth says oh I got it from an old man he's like and at some point 
he told me that an old man and a teenager is going to come and ask you about it. He's like, I didn't think it'd be you. And then he chased him with a gun because fucking Beth's just extra as fuck. Yeah, shit shot as well. Shit shot. He has a shit shot, but like, he's a lazy bastard. Why would he be a good shot? True, yeah. And Marty escapes, jumps off the roof and lands on the DeLorean. Yeah, that's quite a cool scene, actually. Yeah, it's a fucking awesome scene. <laughs> kind of the, um, you know, I'm going to give you, I'll either shoot you or you can jump. So he jumps and yeah. escapes. I'm like, woo. Go. Go, Marty. And then they, so Marty tells him it's the exact same fucking time that we uh, went back. Well, I went back, sorry. It's the day of the dance. And when mm. the lightning strike happened, he's like, oh, for fuck's sake, fine. Then they all go back. And this is where I think probably my favorite bits from the film start happening yeah. is when it is over with the first film. Um, like the, the, it's been perfectly fine up to this point, but I, it's just not been the same, I suppose. And when they mm-hmm. start doing all this clever stuff with reference to the first film is kind of when it starts to win me over. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's this kind of final, what is it? Final 30, maybe final 25 minutes. We, we, um, oh my gosh. Right. So I loved the, um, bit where, um, uh, uh doc tells marty to be discreet so he fucking dresses up like a be conspicuous yeah <laughs> he does like a little briefcase where he's like right, go buy something conspicuous and he leaves like make sure it's conspicuous and he appears wearing a fedora and a leather jacket like yeah wannabe <laughs> blues brother almost just sort of it's, it's uh, good though that's like what you would do isn't it if you're it, a 17 year old kid exactly right though it's totally funny um so so they're wandering around with their walkie-talkies. Doc is um, trying to sort out the DeLorean, I guess. He's speaking to his, his past self, and it's where we have the paradox. I, the name of the film. Yeah, I liked I liked the um, um, past Doc was completely oblivious to future Doc giving him instructions. Mm-hmm. As if, as if, like, the funny thing about that being, like, only he could come up with something like that. So for someone to be giving him hints and stuff, like, surely he would know that that's him. And I get, I'm not, like, I'm not an idiot. I understand that it's meant to be cartoonish humor and ha 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 ha. You never know, he might have, he might have known, he just might have, because he, he knows the rule of time travel. He made the rule of time travel, right? So I, he's like, oh, don't. I think you're maybe giving this film more credit than it deserves there. No, I think I think you could argue that, well, first off, it's really vague. It's just fucking, he's talking about weather. Yeah. Like, they're both, they're both pretending it's a weather experiment. Sure, but he sounds exactly like him. <laughs> it's clearly him. See, if I, even if I knew I had a time machine, right? And I was still like, because he's not seen the time machine work, really. He's just going by what Marty said. He's seen the video, mm. sure. But like, if someone... I would never assume that someone talking to me, even if they had their back turned to me, would be my future self, ever. Because mm. they sound the same, yeah, but you'd think, oh, like my voice hasn't aged at all. And you don't hear your own voice. Well, you, I mean, I suppose in reality, you wouldn't jump to future self. You'd think, no. twin, I don't know about. Or, or something. Like, it'd be some kind of... I, if I heard myself speak, I probably wouldn't recognize myself. Because I don't know what I sound like to the outside other than when I listen to a podcast. But even then, it's like, is that exactly it, you know? You have a different voice in your head than you do outside. A little bit, yeah. Like, I'm a lot higher pitch in real life, and it's disappointing. I think my voice is higher pitched in my head. Oh, really? I think that's right. I'd have to go back and listen to myself. But I, f- I think what I hear is higher than what I actually am. I'm the opposite interesting so do you do you sound really low for you then not really low just lower lower 
Mm. Yeah. Interesting. I think I'm huskier in my in my head than I am in real life. Like I sound really. Whenever I hear, I hear myself back in the podcast, well, when we first started doing it, I was always like, "Oh, <laughs> god, she's high pitched, like fucking tiny child wandering around." <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, that's funny. Do you mind? Do you mind your own voice now? I can listen to it. I'm fine with it. Yeah. I don't like see that because we've been doing this for so long. I actually don't mind the sound of my own voice. Yeah, same as I'm used to it now. It's just it's not that it's bad. It's just that it's not what I'm used to. Yeah, when I hear myself. Speak. It's it's not what I hear. So like that there is that, but like it's fine. I don't I don't really mind that much. It's, yeah. So, long story short, if someone spoke to me, I probably wouldn't recognize my own voice immediately. First off, like especially if I was in the fifties and I didn't have recording equipment. True. Uh, you don't hear yourself speak a lot in the fifties. <laughs> probably not no fair point no. so there we go that's a that that is a fairly modern phenomena i suppose yeah hearing your own voice back yeah that is kind of weird to think actually isn't it like like people like you know seven decades ago probably wouldn't have mostly got to hear that no they'd just be oblivious and then they'd, they'd like hear themselves the first time ever and be like who the fuck's that who that yeah who that not me and that's <laughs> why that's why <laughs> doc brown doesn't question Okay, we used science to come to the conclusion. We to... did, we helped. We helped. Okay, cool. We fixed one plot hole, maybe, possibly. Marty follows the 1995-1955 Biff and watches him receive the almanac from his 2015 self. And this uh, then involves a trip to the school dance. So this is where we get some crossover moments. Um, he has to avoid interrupting the events of the first film so that they still happen while simultaneously dealing with the events that are currently going on. And like Marty take the almanac off, Biff fails a couple of times until he gets to dance. Yeah. That's um he, he manages to get it off him uh, once Biff's been knocked out by the mm-hmm. by the car and someone thinks he's stolen his wallet and it's like no he hasn't, he's just Well he doesn't wait, does he not get it one time before when it's ooh la la? Uh, you might do. They both have two. Has two magazines. He has Ooh La La, and he has the Almanac. But he covers the the cover of. He uses the Almanac cover to cover up the Ooh La La thing because he brought it into a school dance. You can't have like soft porn in a school dance. Yeah, especially not in the fifties. Goodness. <laughs> so the the head teacher takes it off him, and then t- and then Marty sneaks into the head teacher's office to try and take it back. Mm-hmm. He's like fucking success. I've got it. And he opens it, and it's Ooh La La. Yeah. Some nudes. Tasteful Good. nudes. Goodness. Oh. And that's when he runs out and gets off Beth once he's been punched by George. Mm-hmm. Um, I quite like um, the following scenes, I suppose, where um, Biff ends up getting the magazine back again. Because it's, mm-hmm. kind of, it's kind of frustrating, but it's also quite compelling. Yeah. Like, because it is just um, dumb luck, I suppose. Yeah, he um, smacks himself with a door. Yeah, like his past self smacks the door open, or does it? Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and not smacked with a door. Yeah, it's very unfortunate, but it does mean that um, past Biff is able to get the magazine back again, and so he does. And um, then there's a bit of a, a kind of a car car moment. Um, um, which again results in 
uh, the car crashing into a manure truck. So again, reused joke from the first film, which I don't, that one I don't have that much problem with actually, because because it is comeuppance for your antagonist, there is something mm-hmm. kind of satisfying about that. That's probably the one recurring bit that I kind of... Especially when he's like talking about how much it annoyed him. Yeah. Just well, before. I think that's it, because like we know, we know that it bothered him. Um, uh, mission successful, Marty burns the almanac and the as the doctor hovers in his time machine above um, you calling him the doctor makes it like a fucking crossover again sorry the doctor <laughs> <laughs> um but the the delorean ends up getting struck by lightning um this part's cool go, i really like when yeah, the western union guy appears go for it go for it oh no it's like he's hit by lightning disappears and i think marty assumes he's died but then immediately a car pulls up and a guy from the Western Union appears. He's like, I've got something for you. And he's like, what? Me? He's like, yep. It's a fucking letter from the past, which I think is fucking genius. It's very cool that it's actually like fucking made it as well. Like, oh, the Scottish, the Royal Mail could never. <laughs> the Royal <laughs> Mail could never. Royal Mail could never. It would get, it would just never turn up. <laughs> no, he'd be gone. He'd be fucked. Well, actually, like they wouldn't wait the 70 years. They've got like a two week waiting period. And if it's not after that, they just return to sender. So... <laughs> Oh. <laughs> they don't even hold on to things but um yeah like i am um, had forgotten that this was how the film ended honestly and i was i was fighting with myself like how does this actually well wrap up is the wrong way of putting it because i knew it kind of went quite quickly into the third one but i i could not remember for the life of me how this concluded um but this ending is quite iconic. I've seen this spoofed in like other TV shows and things like referencing like, oh, he's alive, he's alive, he's in the Old West, but he's alive. And just like, it's it's so, um, it's funny for um, a film series to have kind of, I suppose, an iconic moment in two of its films. Does the third one have a moment like that? That's kind of... Yeah, I think so. I can't imagine. I remember at the top of my head, sorry, but I think so. I guess we'll find out next week when we get there. I think it'll be interesting to have a little chat after we've seen or we've rewatched the third one because I suspect that, critically at least, the third one's actually preferred to the second one. Mm-hmm. That's kind of concludes it. Like the second one in any like franchise is always the one that people like attack because it's not finished. But I'm like, well, that's what happens when you have a three film trilogy. Yeah. Like what you meant to do conclude the story in the middle and like what do you want to do like yeah <laughs> like, oh it's a cliffhanger i'm like well no shit sherlock durr, durr, durr. it's gonna be part three it's a trilogy yeah so i suppose then just on that note um focusing just on part two um this has been a few years since you watched it um and you've obviously already said as well that you prefer the first one to this mm-hmm. but if you just take it as it is and and, and maybe don't ignore the first one for a part how do you feel about it i think it's a really good film the thing is about number one is it's like one of my favorite films of all time yeah so i'm comparing it against a film that's my favorite film of all time alone it's it's a good film yeah you know it is what's your thoughts i yeah i would um so i don't have the emotional attachment that you do to the first mm-hmm. one but the first one gives me the warm fuzzies like mm-hmm. it it just has something about it that is very sort of I don't know like there is something kind of nostalgic about it which is kind of um, fun for for a film about time travel to be kind of nostalgic in its own own way there's something kind of I guess interesting about that Mm -hmm. Um, 
this one doesn't have that for me and it's poss possibly because i didn't really interact with it growing up in the same way that i did the first one um and also because it in some ways it does feel a little bit like a rehash and there are all the problems we've already talked about uh, that we don't really need to go into them again um there's so, uh, ignoring that there's some brilliant ideas here I, I love the crossover but it's with reference to the first film um i like some of the line some of the one-off lines of dialogue in this are really quite funny it is it is a funny film overall it has its moments um i like some of the ideas they're really creative i like a 1980s depiction of what 2015 could look like even i know that's not exactly what they're going for because they're going mm -hmm. for like a fun version but there's always it's always really fun seeing what like a certain period of time thinks about the future mm -hmm. um I, there's a lot to like here there's also a lot to pick holes on here but for what it's worth i had a good time watching it yeah that's all you need really isn't it and i think that is all you need at the end of the day so that would yep. be that that's that's how i would summarize that any any final words or are you happy for us to call it a day no i think we're good i think that's pretty much everything well we made it through dear listener <laughs> we've made it through part two join us next week for back to the future part three if you're not following us on instagram make sure you do so at one of us is bored subscribe to the youtube channel find us at one of us is bored and join us next week for back to the future part three we shall see you then